This is Ronnie Ann Ryan, intuitive coach, and welcome to the Breathe, Love, and Magic podcast. In this show, we'll talk about mystical methods, spiritual practices, and magic to grow spiritually, live well, and maybe find love. Open your heart, expand your mind, connect with spirit, and embrace the magic that is all around you. To learn more about intuitive coaching with me or a past life reading, please visit breatheloveandmagic.com. If you enjoy the show, please rate it or write a review and subscribe and share it with a friend. May good fortune come to all those who listen to the Breathe, Love & Magic podcast. And now, on with the show! In this episode of the Breathe, Love & Magic pod, I am speaking with Bernadette Wolf, intuitives, sensitives, empaths, and more. People seek out health, wealth, and fairy magic teacher Bernadette to guide their way to the new earth reality. Bernadette invites you to step with her into the new earth now where effortless prosperity and thriving in harmony with all life is normal. She's passionate about connecting you with the fairy realm, protecting the environment, plant-based nutrition, and the well-being of all life. Welcome, Bernadette. Thank you. Good to be here. I've been getting your emails for a while. I've attended a couple of your programs and I just love the idea that fairies are real or the elementals. And when I first moved into my house, I started having little experiences. I remember when I was first starting to do some gardening work in the front yard, I looked to my left and in the grass, I saw this three inch footprint, like a depression in the grass, just one little boot print, you know? And then I'm looking at it going, what the heck is that? And then slowly the grass sprang back. And I thought, (laughs) maybe somebody will remember that theme song. Right. (laughs) The Twilight Zone. So anyway, I figured, oh, there must be a lot of fairies and elementals in my yard. And there's all wild space behind me. So I think that certainly helps attract them. But tell me, how did you get started with all of this fairy realm? Uh, it's something that I've always been interested in ever since I was a kid. Just uh, I didn't, I wasn't one of those kids that played with the fairies and that kind of stuff. But I was always drawn to fairy tales, and I knew there was something more to life than what I was being told. <laughs> and yeah. it wasn't until I was an adult that I um, started taking shamanic journey courses to actually connect with the fairies, and that's when I started having real experiences with them. I never heard of that before, though, that doing shamanic journeys to see the fairies. I I know about shamanic journeys, and I've been on many, but never to meet the fairies. So is that just how it was being taught? Or is that what you did with it? There's a few teachers, um, like John and Catlin Matthews and RJ Stewart and a few other ones at the Lorient Institute, who do guided visualization journeys. They're mostly connected with the Celtic magical teachings and lore. No, they lead shamanic journeys, you know, that are guided, not the kind where you just sit with a drum and have to guide yourself. But I did a few of those. Oh, then uh, Tom Cohen was another one who did some really great journeys. When I took these courses with them, you know, they got me in touch with the fairy realm in a really strong way. And, you know, I realized I can communicate with them. They're around. It's not just the the little nature spirits. It's all the kinds of fairies from the she who are kind of like the elves in the Tolkien stories to, you know, every little plant and animal has its own diva that watches over it. And there's the weather elementals. Yeah, there's just so many different kinds of beings, just like there are in our physical world that you can connect with. So yeah, 
the ones that I've connected with most strongly over the years, more and more over the years, is the fairies of Avalon, fairies that appear in the Arthurian legends, and they're still the fairies live much longer than we do. <laughs> they're still around and they're still working to bring that, that vision of Camelot to our world. That's some stick to itiveness. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think time passes <laughs> very differently in their realm. It probably doesn't feel like hundreds of years to them. But Well, the first time I became aware that there were so many kinds of fairies, I was in the backyard and I had already tried talking to, you know, I'd read a couple of books about people talking to elves and mm -hmm. talking to spirits in their garden and seeing Pan. And I had seen Pan, you know, my version of whatever he looked like. And, and I thought, all right, I'm ready to see. And so I stood in my yard and I look out at the wildness area and I said, all right, I'm ready to see. And they came out. There was hundreds, hundreds of them. Wow. And I was terrified because I thought they'd be pretty mm -hmm. and they were not pretty. Like I thought I was going to see all those pretty fairies that everybody draws and graceful, <laughs> colorful creatures. No, I saw all kinds of strange looking stuff that just freaked me out. And I'm like, never mind. I felt so bad <laughs> because I guess I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for that. I couldn't stay open. I'm like, I had to shut that down. <laughs> yeah. Some of the pictures on the Brian Stroud, he does yeah. those fairy, fairy cards. Some of those are pretty hideous looking, but yeah. Um, yeah. some of them are beautiful. The thing about fairies is that they're shapeshifters, they're energy beings, so they can appear however they want to. And those ones may not have been the friendliest ones that wanted you to think they were pretty. <laughs> but the they showed I... themselves. They showed yeah, themselves. Yeah. And there were yeah. so many of them in all different sizes and shapes and uh -huh. live and learn. Yeah, the, the ones I've seen have been, they either look like kind of little light beings that kind of float around or else they, um, yeah. I see them like, poking their faces out of trees and stones and things. So they're, they kind of look like they're part of the tree in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a bunch of little ones too, when I was at the Blarney Castle in Ireland, mm. they yeah. have like a little fairy garden. Have you been there? I have not been there. No. So they have a little fairy garden and I thought, oh yeah, right. But then let me just sit here for five minutes. So I sat down, I closed my eyes and I could feel them. And I could like, with my eyes closed, I could see they were all in front of my eyes, you know, like flutter, flutter, flutter. It was like, whoa, that's amazing. So what kind of things are they trying to communicate with us? Share a little bit so that we can understand why we want to get together with the fairies and what will benefit us, how we will learn from them and, or help them. I feel like they're, some of them don't want to communicate with us at all. Some of them want, want nothing to do with humans, but there are ones that are actually reaching out. And it seems like more and more lately, I think because we share this planet on a different dimensional level, I think they are affected by what we're doing to the planet, by all the pollution and the destruction that we've done. And I think they're trying to wake us up to remind us that, you know, we need to take care of our planet and take care of the animals and the, the ecological systems that are supporting the weather and all the different parts that humans tend to just forget about. I think it's affecting their world too, even though they're not on such a material dense plane, it kind of um, energetically changes things on their world when we mess up things on our world. The nature spirits are spending all their time trying to create harmony in nature. And you know, when we just come in and clear cut a forest, it just undoes decades or even centuries of work that they've done. Sure. 
That makes sense. So when you lead groups, is that the kind of thing that people are doing or what kind of experiences do people have when you lead one of your shamanic journeys to see the fairies? I do a lot of different ones. Like the last one I did was a journey to Avalon to meet with the Avalon fairies. Sometimes I specifically work with the elves or with different, you know, just the the nature spirits more than the she who are the kind of more human-like fairies. So what I do is I usually have a series of shamanic journeys that we do connect with different aspects of them. And I'll just lead people through a doorway into the fairy realm and connect with particular beings that want to connect with us and get messages from them and kind of get their perspective on how we can work together. And a lot of the fairies I work are, are all very intent on bringing the new earth reality to humanity because I think they realize that, you know, it's it's in the works and if they can help make it happen faster, it will be less less traumatic for everybody concerned, I think. Sure the sooner we can shift to this the awareness that we're really unlimited beings living on this planet. And like the fairies, we can manifest whatever we want. It just takes a little more time on the material plane. And I think they want us to know that we don't have to follow the rules that we've been raised with of the, the old order. You know, it's time to put that aside and, and create the reality we want to live in. Nice. Is that the kind of work that you yourself have been doing? Yeah. And I, you know, I've been trying to do it on my own for years. And I think just recently I've come to realize it's not something we can do on our own because it's a co-creative reality and we have to work together with each other, with other humans and with the fairies. As we help each other connect with it, it makes it stronger and makes it more real in our experience. So that's why I do lots of workshops. (laughs) Yeah, because if you do things more in community, then the energy is that much stronger, right? Right. Well, that makes sense. This is the thing I want to know. What is the difference between the she and the fae? Because the fae kind of has a bad rap. And I was talking to a medium from Ireland, and she was saying that they did, you know, pulled a lot of nasty tricks and stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. So I don't know the difference. Are they all the same? Are they different? What's your experience with that? She is an Irish name for the fairies or the fae. And some people use it to cover like all the the larger, you know, human size or or larger fairies and elves and, and all those. It's kind of tricky that the words, because it used to be she was just an Irish word that Irish people would use to describe the fairies who were the descendants of the Tuatha de Danann who came long ago as one of the first settlers of Ireland. And then when the humans came in, they supposedly moved into the hollow hills, which the word she means hollow hill. Ah. So that's where they got their name. And then since then, people have been applying the word she to a lot of other fairies in America. And <laughs> I don't know whether those are technically she since they're not irish or oh interesting actually more elves they're all kind of the similar beings and they're all cousins of humanity we all started out as one race and humans went into the denser material reality well the the fairies elves she whatever you want to call them stayed in the the more ethereal realm where the nature spirits have always been that nature spirits are not the same race as the humans and fairies as the other kind of fairies it's confusing because the word fairies means different things to different people, you know? Right, so, right. Well, there are those little fairies that we talked about right. earlier, and then there's the fae that are more human-like. And then what about the elves from Lord of the Rings? Like, what are those supposed to be? Are those really the fae? They're, yeah, they're fairies. 
Tolkien actually had thought of calling them fairies, but he didn't like the fact that people were using that term to uh, talk about gay people back in that, that oh, time. Oh, okay. So he decided to use the word elves, but yeah, they're the same beings. Okay. When you run a shamanic journey, do you go with purpose to help people have a particular experience or how do you work this? Because it sounds pretty amazing. They want us to step into the new earth now. And how do they help us do that? Well, I get messages, you know, they kind of like keep poking at me to like do this kind of a workshop. And, you know, lately the one that I've got coming up on Saturday is uh, clearing shadows with the the Morrigan and Morgan the Fae wanted to uh, work with people to help clear their shadows. You know, they just kind of bug me until I put together a workshop <laughs> and uh, whatever they want me to do. And I try to leave it pretty open so that when I lead the journeys, they're actually leading them and they're just like telling me what to say. Oh, so, so you channel. Okay, cool. So what's a what's an example of something that is part of the new earth that you did in a program? You know, like how, what do people come away with? What kind of experiences or knowledge? Well, I did one that was specifically on that. It's one of my free gifts is uh, the world of wonder where it actually leads people into the new earth experience. And it just kind of connects you with that sense of the way fairies see the world and how everything's malleable, everything's beautiful. They try to make everything beautiful and they bring in the arts and dancing and singing and creating beautiful sculptural things. And I think that the sense for me of the new earth is a sense of freedom, a sense that I can have my life be the way I want it to be rather than designed by somebody else or having to fit into somebody else's box. I can, I can create it the way I want it. And and mm-hmm. that's true for everybody, but everybody will do it in a different way. So I, you know, I can't say this is the way the new sure. earth is because it's, it's all about what do you want it to be? <laughs> What's been most surprising for you in doing this work for decades? The fact that it just keeps getting deeper and, you know, at first when I approached it, I had a pretty superficial idea about what the fairies were and I was just kind of curious. And as I've moved more and more into connecting with them, I feel like, you know, like they're, they're like real relationships with people in my life, you know. There's oh, the- do you see the same ones over and over? Yeah, I work with the same ones most of the time and sometimes other ones come in, but like I work with the ladies of Avalon a lot. Those ones are probably my main contacts. And then I've got a couple of other elf guides that work with me. And yeah, they're just, they're as complex as relationships with humans. They're not, they're not one dimensional beings. They have have their ideas and their agendas and all that kind of stuff. And I think, you know, that a lot of, you were saying a lot of them were kind of mean or nasty that you're hearing about. Um, I think in the past that has been true, especially there's a lot of stories in Ireland and Scotland of people being led astray or horrible things happening to their animals or their houses burning down when they cross the ferries. I think that our world is separated more so that we don't affect them quite as frequently. Oh, that's in way, good. In ways that annoy them. Because <laughs> it doesn't, you don't hear stories like that too often anymore. So I think there's The ones that really want to work with us have moved into our world more and the ones that don't have moved farther away. Okay. They're not as likely to encounter them. That's good. That's a relief. (laughs) You know, if you're going to go do this work, you don't want to run into somebody who's going to be mad at you and then you have to deal with a problem neighbor on the spiritual plane. Right. So 
But I think it's really important to know that you have to be totally honest with them. If you ever say you're going to do something, you better darn well do it. I mean, they, they do get annoyed if you try to trick them or not, not be honest with them. Yeah, I, I wouldn't cross them because they can be very powerful. Well, yeah, you don't want to purposely make them mad, but right. sometimes you do things without knowing. So Yeah, and I think that's part of moving into the new earth awareness is that we're becoming more conscious of how our actions affect things. Mm. I mean, even even our buying choices, you know, it's like, where was this made? What's going to happen to it after I'm done with it? What, you know, who is affected and what parts of the environment were affected? Just yeah. People are starting to ask questions like that. And Yeah, that is good. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the ladies from Avalon that you were mentioning. What are they about? What do they look like? What do they sound like? What do they say to you? What do they want? Well, again, they're shapeshifters. They can appear however they want to. And in fact, in the Arthurian lore, often they appeared to the knight. They were initiating the knights into the fairy wisdom. And they would often appear as ugly old hags and test them. And the knight still followed through on his promise to marry her or whatever. <laughs> then she would turn into a beautiful maiden. So yeah. they have that power to shift the way they look. To me, they, they look kind of like tall, kind of elegant women. <laughs> Okay. The way that I started getting to know them was reading all the Arthurian stories, especially the earlier ones, because as time went on and the church had more influence, they started demonizing the women like Morgan Le Fay became like this temptress and evil person who kind of pulled down the whole kingdom. Wait, is that supposed to be Arthur's stepsister or half-sister? She became his half-sister, yeah. Originally, she was the, the queen of Avalon, basically. Um, oh. the, kind of the high priestess and then as the stories evolved she became Arthur's half-sister and then she kind of became this evil influence and uh, that wasn't her original nature and then Guinevere came from the fairy realm in order to anchor the energy of Camelot in the, in the human world so she volunteered to become human and marry Arthur and she's always described as being extremely beautiful yeah and then Nimue, or sometimes called Vivian, she was originally one of the um, healers of Avalon, who is Merlin's consort. And she also was demonized in the, you know, in the later stories, she supposedly trapped Merlin in a cave or a tree or a rock or something. There's always different stories, different versions. She was supposed to be this horrible being who trapped Merlin and destroyed his life. When in actuality, they are uh, they work together, and he voluntarily moved into this tower. Huh. And he, he can come and go; he's not trapped there. <laughs> oh, good to know. I'm happy to know he's not prisoner. So <laughs> Merlin was half fairy himself, and so he he comes and goes freely within the fairy realm and the human realms. So the story's like a I can't remember the author of. The Mists of Avalon, but Zimmer uh, Bradley. I have to say, I love that book. But from what you're saying, she's off base about some of the characters. Yeah, she had a more of a materialistic view of the whole story, where it was all kind of presented from the point of view of Morgan Le Fay as a sort of human priestess. Yeah, and, because uh, they blame all of the problems on the, uh, that happened because she and Arthur got together one and hooked up one night, right? Right. And yeah. then they had that dastardly son. Right. Murdered. Yeah, murdered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was one of the later versions of the story where, yeah, she and, she and Arthur had that son who was the downfall of the kingdom. She, yeah, there's so many versions of the Arthurian stories that are 
you know, like that Merlin series on TV that is oh, totally I, not following the. I can't even watch that. He's too young. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't go with my picture. So, <laughs> but what can you read that's more aligned with what you're talking about? Because I'm unfamiliar of any earlier stories. Well, the things that really opened my eyes were like Gareth Knight, Barry Gates of Avalon. That's a really good book. And then, um, Wendy Jewell, I think her name is, have her book here somewhere. That one's by Gareth Knight, and that um, he really lays out the whole picture of how the fairies have been working in Avalon all these years. And then there's Red Tree, White Tree by Wendy Berg, which is a really fascinating story of how the fairy and human evolution started out together and evolved. She has another book about Guinevere, where she goes more into the Arthurian stories. So what's the story with Guinevere and her infidelity with Lancelot? Again, that was a, a later development of the stories. They started out hundreds of years before the stories that we came to know. And they added it, Lancelot. He wasn't even in the first stories. Oh! <laughs> and I think, you know, demonizing Guinevere was part of the whole church thing where they were yeah. trying to demonize all women all, are bad somehow all women and especially fairy women yeah they had to be made to look bad and only the the noble knights and arthur were the only good ones based on your experience and how you developed relationship with the fairies when was this whole arthurian thing like first of all it's a legend so we don't supposedly really know if it happened but there's an awful lot of legend about it, so it certainly captures people's attention. Do they ever tell you what kind of timing this supposedly happened in? Supposedly, it was around five, the year 500 or 600 when the original Arthur lived. Um, I'm not sure if there's any older versions, because in the Mabinogion, there's um, mentions of Arthur that are probably the oldest, but I'm not sure when those were. I was just curious. Yeah. <laughs> been in at least uh, 1500 years or so that these particular fairies have been trying to work with humanity hmm. so what about the sword and the stone then well that supposedly was merlin's doing putting the sword in the stone there's two swords the one that arthur pulls from the stone was the first one that showed that he was the true king and then the lady of the lake brought the sword excalibur from the fairy realm oh they're different okay yeah for Arthur and then he had to return it to the lake the lake is a symbol for the fairy realm Arthur had to return it when he was mortally wounded so one of his knights went and threw it back into the lake and the, the hand came up and grabbed it and <laughs> <laughs> so thinking of all the fun that we have with these Arthurian legends lots of movies lots of books lots of artwork right mm -hmm. what is something that we can learn from them learn from that time period for what they're trying to create or whatever, what's our takeaway from the ladies of Avalon and how to best, maybe how to best work with them? Well, it seems like they've always been trying to, for one thing, reconnect humans with the fairy realm. They went around initiating all Arthur's knights and trying to bring them back into the fairy realm and connect, reconnect them with the grail and the grail is kind of the, the energy of perfection that is connected with the sacred hallows of the fairies, which is the sword and the stone and the beer and the cauldron or chalice. And I know that's, that's a whole big thing. I have a whole course on that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think they're trying to reconnect us with those sacred elemental symbols. 
And in order to kind of rebalance humanity, because we're, we're way out of balance, we're skewed toward the materialistic masculine consciousness. And I think they, they're trying to wake up the more feminine receptive consciousness so that we can reconnect with the earth and nature and, and our whole spiritual side in a way that we've kind of lost over the centuries. They've woven themselves into these stories. And I think part of the reason these stories are so popular is because the fairies are working with them continually, bringing them back to the front of human consciousness so that we look at them again and go, what is it about these stories? They keep coming up and, and you know, they've been repeated hundreds, thousands of times, probably in the last 1500 years. And even nowadays, when we're, our lives are so different and so technological, there's still ringing a bell in people's consciousness when they hear them and people yeah. are still fascinated by them and i think it's because of that fairy energy that's kind of like this whisper in there like remember what's going on there's another reality that you're forgetting about yeah i was just say people are really looking for the magic that's there yes yes there's so many seekers of magic and mm -hmm. so many sayings that are kind of like seek magic every day and that's the name of this podcast is breathe love and magic mm -hmm. and I remember I took this class on abundance and there were all kinds of affirmations on day one, she had one and day two, she had another. By the time I got to day five, I don't remember what these other affirmations, you know, like I am abundant, I am this and whatever. Oh, she was doing blessings. That's what it was. So may you feel whatever, may you be blessed with whatever, you know, that was the format. And so by day five, I ended up with, may you live in the magic. And I'm like, whoa, baby, yeah, may you live in the magic. I don't even care what the other blessings, are. I just stopped. I was like, I don't need to get any further than may you live in the magic. And I just remember the energy that came to me. And it was just like this big whoosh that went up and expanded me. And I was like, whoa, what was that? You know, it's just, okay, I live in the magic. I, you know, I forget all the time. Yeah. I have to wake up and go, could you, you know, you live in the magic. Remember, hello. And it's hard to stay there. So yeah. <laughs> I think that's the the whole new earth thing is reminding each other of the magic. You know, it's like we're we're doing it together. We're bringing in the magic. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. What do you think is the key to help people connect with that magic and connect with the fairy folk and start to step into that new earth? What would you say is the key for people who might be new to this? and haven't had your years and decades of experience or whatever, what would you recommend to somebody who was new at this and really wanting to connect with that idea? I would start with appreciation, just especially appreciation for nature. If you can go outside and just appreciate a tree or a blade of grass, that's the physical manifestation of the nature spirits that you can connect with right on the physical plane. So that's a good place to start. And, you know, you can't go wrong with appreciation. It it will uplift your life. And the more you can appreciate what's going on in your life and around you, the better things get. And it kind of moves you into that energy of the new earth because it's all about appreciation. So then people could also, like when they're doing their gratitude list, they could always think of, I feel grateful for the fairies and all the work they do and bringing us into the new earth and effortless prosperity and Rhyming in the harmony of all life. Include right. them in your gratitude. You know, we have Thanksgiving coming up, you know, here in the United States. This is right. November. So Canada already had their Thanksgiving, but that could be a nice twist to your holiday celebration. Yeah, definitely. Putting out a plate of food for the fairies is a traditional way of honoring them and 
inviting them into your life. Put a plate out on the table or outside? Either way. Huh. They'd probably like it better if you put it outside. <laughs> ah, yeah, well, that's what I was thinking. I know one time I was calling in Hecate and I was told if you're going to do that, you better have offerings. So I looked up what she liked and it was crescent shaped cookies and honey and I had fortune cookies. <laughs> so I'm like, I put honey on the fortune cookies and I put them in like a aluminum pie tin and I left them out in the wild part and some of the animals must have got to him or Hecate or the fairies or whoever, but they were gone. The pie plate was still there, but they were gone when I went back. So th those were my offerings. I'm like, enjoy. <laughs> well, I know you have free gift. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? The World of Wonder recorded workshop. It's, it was a Zoom work workshop that uh, was to help people get a picture of the new earth and to be able to look through fairy eyes and see how fairies see the world. I found it really uplifting. and I think a lot of other people did too. It just was a really fun workshop and really light and beautiful and helps people really connect with the fairy realm in a way that they probably never have before. Mm, that sounds wonderful. The idea of looking through their eyes to see how they see things. That sounds fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today, sharing your fairy wisdom, everything about the Arthurian lore, whatever that you did. I appreciate you taking the time to share that with the listeners today. That was really fun. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening today. If you're curious about intuitive coaching or a past life reading, please visit breatheloveandmagic.com. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate it or write a review and subscribe to never miss an episode and share the magic with a friend. This is Ronnie and Ryan wishing you love and magic.